you're listening to the Bearded Theologians podcast, hosted by Zach Bechtold and Matt Franks. If you'd like to learn more about the Bearded Theologians, you can go online at beardedtheologians.com, where we have past podcasts, blogs, and a couple items for sale. So check us out, beardedtheologians.com. Thank you for listening, and enjoy this week's show. listening to the Bearded Theologians podcast hosted by Matt Franks and Zach Bechtold and we have a super uh just a fantastic guest I've, I've been excited about this for a couple of weeks now we have uh we have a musician with us today his name is Keith Rollins he goes by Reverend Doctor which captured my heart the moment uh that I heard it and uh thank you thanks for being on here with us why don't you tell our listeners um, a little bit about yourself, who you are, where you're from, and kind of how you got to doing what you're doing? Absolutely. Um, hi, everyone. My name is Keith, Reverend Doctor. I'm, I'm so excited to be on the Bearded Theologians. Uh, when you reached out, I was like, I do have a great beard. That makes perfect sense. <laughs> absolutely, right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You guys got fantastic beards. Oh, thank making you. making me realize I need to get my game going a little bit better. Um, I grew up in the Midwest. I, I've been, so the name of my act is Reverend Doctor. My name's Keith Rollins. Uh, this is the first solo project that I've ever been a part of. When I was thinking about, you know, what I wanted to do, it made more sense to me to give myself a purpose rather than just perform songs under Keith Rollins. Kind of like that whole idea with creativity that when you give yourself constraints and parameters, sometimes that's a really inspiring thing. And so that's what I did for myself rather than being like, I can write about anything. Uh, I, I wanted to be able to have a very purposeful intent when I was, when I was doing that. And so one of the first ideas that had come to me, I don't know why, uh, but reverend and doctor, because it, I really felt like my mission had this like two pronged thing, um, reverend to preach and doctor to heal. And those things were kind of a marriage of two elements in my personal life that are super important to me, um, you know, connecting with people, interfacing as well as, excuse me, as well as being uplifting. And so, you know, with Reverend Doctor, the, the name, then it came like, well, okay, what, what am I going to do? And the, the very first song came out, build it up. And then I was like, okay, I know exactly what I'm going to do. Uh, that's a song, you know, that's steeped in uh, the idea that in suffering, there can be joy, that you can interrupt the world's negativity with your own positivity. And those were things where, I, like, all these blocks kind of started falling into place. But I grew up in the Midwest. I lived in a tiny town called Ames, Iowa. Um, life was weird there. Honestly, I grew up on Soul and Blues. And uh, I, I didn't really start listening to white people's music. I called it when I was a kid until I was like 12 or 13, when like kids start having musical preferences. And, and then it was a lot of Metallica. It was a lot of metal. It was a lot of um, polka is really huge in Iowa. <laughs> it's such so, a really big jump from Metallica to polka. <laughs> they, like, Iowa's weird, bro. I, I just, I can't, I can't explain it. They're their own thing. Um, there, so the metal component, there's a really popular band, Slipknot from Iowa. And Slipknot is, it, it was a lot like Prince for Minneapolis. Like there were a lot of imitators and people trying to sort of follow in the footsteps of that particular act after it blew up. But I grew up, I, I was going to metal shows. I went upon occasion would go to like 
you know, traditional like polka events and things like that, just because I was so hungry to see music. Um, I moved to Minneapolis about eight or nine years ago, and I that was the very first time that I had people in my community that were playing music closer to what I wanted to play. But you would think that the town that, you know, Prince, you know, got us started and that there would be a lot more blues and, and soul and funk. But there was a lot of indie rock at the time. There's a lot of indie hip hop. It's a huge town for indie hip hop. And I love hip hop, but I don't consider myself, you know, an MC or anything like that. Though on occasion, I, you could probably call what I do rap. But it's, it's not because uh, <laughs> I, have a, I have a lump that those that that's my hair musical heritage, my musical heritage, like I said, is soul, Motown and things like that. And so after living in Minneapolis, I moved to LA about a year and a half ago to write music and to also eat, man, you know, there just wasn't enough work in Minneapolis. When I was there, I was into like five or six different bands at a time, you know, various configurations of, of original groups and uh, cover bands and so moving to LA, it's been a lot easier to, to just like have enough work and not have to hustle, you know, until the day I die in order to be able to get ends to meet. And it's been awesome. I love LA. It's been one of the things about growing up in the Midwest. And you guys probably understand this from being from Montana. Like there's a very pragmatic, pragmatic like um, culture. And when you are in the arts, actually, that's not true. Montana is actually really super supportive, especially of visual arts and ceramics and things like that. Right. I think it's very much in its tradition. But in the Midwest, it doesn't really have any of that. So when you tell people that you're an artist or a musician, they're like, cool. What do you do to eat? <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, well, I, I, I play music. And they're like, but no, for real, what do you, how do you like have a job? And I'm like, uh, so being out in LA, when you tell people you're a musician, they're like, dope, should I have heard of you? What are you into? Tell me more about that. This is great. They're super excited and, and energized by that. And I'm energized by that. And so it's, it's a lot less like feeling like a bum or a vagabond <laughs> and more recognizing, oh, okay, there's value to what I do. And there's, all, there's people that inherently understand that value. But I, like I was saying, I mean, Montana actually really gets the, the arts, a lot of the communities there do so. Um, I was just in Billings. There was this tiny little store called Kirk's Grocery, and they have this, like, it's all this local art and music, and it's it was really cool. But yeah, yeah, that's one of the things that I love being just in the small towns that uh, I get to be in. There's always something by someone, mm -hmm. whether it's a picture or a painting or a CD or something. Right. There's always something by some, uh, even books. You know, just local artists and writers and people. It's like let's let's support our people, you know, Absolutely. Uh, there's, there is an affinity to that of, Hey, we're, we're here and let's, let's put a, put some support into our folks. Absolutely. And, and that's so cool being able to support a, an artistic community and, and communities like that, they live and die by their mm -hmm. local support, you know? And mm -hmm. so that's why it's, it was great being in Montana and, and seeing and, and getting to know your culture better. I'm through there a lot. And, and, seeing how each of your communities are so supportive of your artists who sometimes like live up in the mountains and are almost like nebulous deities that come down and share <laughs> art and then go back up into the mountains but that's right when they come down you're there for them you're like this is this is wonderful thank you mm -hmm. for you know your yearly tribute have fun in the mountains that's right <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly right i mean i i so let's i, I love 
I love the message that you're you're putting out there. I got to go see you uh, at Mighty Mo in Great Falls, uh, sure. one of our local breweries, uh, back back in October. And you did a show a few months before that, and uh, mm-hmm. saw it on Facebook. And I was like, I got to know more about this guy. And so I started <laughs> digging into a little bit of what you talk about. You know, here's here's the Reverend to preach, here's the Doctor mm-hmm. to heal, but. Uh, you kept posting, uh, you know, these things of, we got to put more hope into the world. We got to put yeah. more love into the world. And I was like, yep. that's my guy. I, <laughs> <laughs> I'm all over this and whatever I can do to support you, I'm just going to be there. Because uh, we do, we need more of that, mm-hmm. uh, especially in today's today's world. Yeah, man, I'll tell you what. Um, it's 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 been really fascinating. I honestly, the the whole reason I started the project was because... I recognized that I had something to say. And I, the weird thing about being, I don't know, uh, a creative is that a lot of times you don't know where an idea comes from. It just kind of comes through you. And I, I knew that with my music growing up, one of the things that I had always missed and wanted to be more part of was music that made you want to not just engage it but like be a part of it participate in it somehow in 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 like a community kind of way i was just listening to this um it was a podcast and there was i I can't remember if it was africa south america there was some community where uh, a fascist regime had just taken over and one of the very first things that they did was they killed all the pop stars and made music illegal Um, and it was one of those things where you don't recognize it, but music actually has a really powerful capacity to not just inspire positive feelings, but it actually has the ability to create community and a resistance to the negativity of the world. And I, I, that was something that I heard recently. It just was one of those things that reaffirmed in my brain, like music's dangerous. And there's a lot of people out there that recognize that, mm-hmm. you know, and for me, using that power of music is, is a super important part of my mission to, and I, I say it this way, honestly, even from the stage, trick people into loving themselves and loving each other. That's really the core tenet of, of what I do. And Yes, I I leverage the nostalgia of cover music, but I also write my own original songs around this idea of, I mean, growing up black in Iowa, like growing up when I was a kid, me and my four sisters, we were used to being the only, you know, black kids in a room, in a school, in a community. Uh, and honestly, a lot of really weird things happened when I was growing up. So now that I'm grown, it's not so much about like, telling people about race or gender. It's about using those stories to explain to people that you can go through a lot and even have things about yourself that you feel a sense of uncertainty or an insecurity about, but that you shouldn't. And you can learn not to, and you can teach others how to be more comfortable with themselves in a way that allows them to be able to give back to their community and make things better. So it's, it's really about like using my stories as a, like a, a standing block to be able to like a platform to tell people like you can go through a lot and that's okay. And, and you can love yourself and love each other through it and be better. 
And that's when people hear and see the fact that like you're in your car in the middle of Montana <laughs> where you ought not probably be. Right. Um, and, and you have this message of, of joy and love to give to people. Well, they're like, well, clearly that guy's living it. So, I mean, he either believes it or he's crazy or both, uh-huh. you know? And so <laughs> I think that that's a really powerful thing to be able to tell people is that it's okay that you've been through things. It's okay that you're going to go through things. And it's an entirely different thing to make the decision to stand up to those tough moments for yourself and for the people in your life and in your community. So, yeah. yeah, no, I, I love that. And that for me, you know, there's been a lot of focus on Mr. Rogers here, sure, yeah. here lately. Right. And that, that was his message, right. Yeah. Uh, you know, every show, I love you just the way you are. Right. Absolutely wasn't afraid to have difficult conversations, wasn't afraid to tap into that permission, permission giving of, you can feel this way. Yeah, You can be okay. sad, you can be angry, you can be happy in these moments. Um, and, and that's okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, it's going to be tough. But guess yeah. what, there's hope. Uh, and for me, just that I love you just the way you are, you know, mm. it, it taps into that just deep down that, that permission to give ourselves, oh, today, the way that I am, someone loves me and that's okay. Uh, yeah. I can make it to tomorrow. That's powerful. Giving permission, permission, people, excuse me, giving people permission to do something like that is not something that I think really like as Western culture people, as capitalist like worker bees, improvement metrics, people, that is something inherent to our nature. In fact, most of our days, our lives, quantifying, categorizing, directly goes against that thinking. And honestly, it's one of those things that makes it really unhealthy after a long time to be caught up in the mode of quantifying, assessing, of categorizing, of optimization, those things are okay in business, right. but when it comes to people, that's where we need to step back and say, no, <laughs> like have that, have that, stay in that ground saying, no, that's not how people work. I mean, this is like, sorry, I just had an adjacent thought. No, go. It's, it's like learning, we're, we're learning all the different ways that kids learn and there's not any one right way to learn. There's different paths to the same answer and and for me people are like that like you you might not as an individual say that that person has value in your culture in your society but that you're not the end all be all judge of that we're like well they they've uh, been sick this many days this year they've uh, output so many things and it's like that's not the only thing that people contribute to one another right (laughs) by by a far stretch you know yeah well and i think that that's what this like pandemic thing is teaching us is that we're having to do things a little bit differently and that quantifying something you know like you know being socially aware of how we you know even just touching our face I mean how Mm. many people would realize that how often that they touch their face they probably should wear one of those like dog collar things so they don't (laughs) touch your face and freak people out um and and I'm thinking just so I don't touch myself yeah just so I don't (laughs) touch myself so I then I don't get you sick you know those kind of stuff um and I think that that's the stuff that you know just being aware of how we are is connected or not connected Mm -hmm. that we need to be, I think, I mean, to me, that's been where this, uh, this situation that we find ourselves in, um, in a world 
that this has kind of shed the light that, you know, there are ways to connect without having to like do things like we're used to doing and been doing right. for, you know, years. I have a lot of hopes about what's going to, what, what things could happen in, in this. And uh, frankly, I'm the eternal optimist. I'm one of those annoying friends that you have that isn't trying to dismiss like when you have a negative feeling and like addressing that, but is absolutely the kind of person that, that looks at all of these situations and says, but it doesn't need to be that way or it can be better. Um, like for me, you know, my, mm, I don't want to say that because just in case someone sees this, uh, I have a friend. Perfect that works for an organization and this organization like their their sick time policy is one of those things where it's like that was never sustainable it never put a priority on the individual and in fact like encouraging people to come in while they're sick you would think that like that hurts your bottom line as a business because it just gets your whole workforce sick like mm -hmm. something small like that like addressing this was never sustainable or even a good business practice, like in a capitalist world. So that's, that's a small thing. The big thing I think for me is recognizing that there can be a lot of really positive ways that you can contribute to a business remotely so that maybe we can begin de decentralizing a lot of these metro areas that are really stressed and taxed as far as their resources go. Mm -hmm. LA, when I first moved to LA, it was really exhausting. Um, it is still exhausting. And the reason being, LA has a homelessness crisis, an epidemic we have for a long time. And coming, like when I got here, it was just so crushing for me. I'm the kind of person where like, I research and I get to the bottom of it. There's a lot of homelessness in LA, yes, but a lot of it is because uh, there are other communities in the region that literally put people in their communities on a bus and they send them to LA because they think that there are resources available, mm -hmm. which just causes an, you know, an even bigger problem and taxes the resources that we have for people in this situation even further. And, and so for me with this whole, like, you know, what, what's going on with the disease thing, maybe we can decentralize, maybe we can get more people in other communities that are okay with telecommuting that are okay with like, being someplace else so that we can grow some of these other towns so that we can not have our you know our housing so stressed or so taxed we can um have other like larger or maybe medium-sized metro areas that are able to have services for people that have you know mental health and other sort of you know financial distress uh, issues so it, it's like I'm I'm very nebulous with this whole thing. Like, hmm, what is going to be the byproduct of this particular situation? And I'm always optimistic in the sense that, you know, we we always in every moment have a decision whether or not we react to something negatively, positively, or in a neutral fashion, which more often than not tends to end up be, being skewed towards negative. And so when we when we are able to like take a look at this situation and say, well, what changes could we make that could benefit people? I mean, look at social distancing. Uh, as a joke, a joke, I saw this post and it said, um, dudes on social media are about to get like Jane Austen up in this business because 
you know, you can't just like meet and try to like, you know, sleep with someone and then bounce. You got to like, you know, form a real relationship with this social <laughs> distancing thing. Right. That was so funny. But in a real way, what it's pointing out is that like we have created this disposable dating culture and recognizing that in our distance, the things that, yeah, okay, the physical matters, absolutely. There are people for whom, you know, physical touch is their love language. It staves off feelings of loneliness and depression. But even more real is the fact that, like, we have been reducing our relationships through these apps in a way that, like, has made them so disposable, have made them so superficial, and have, has really replaced this idea of intimacy and connection with a false one that I think hasn't left a lot of people very satisfied, frankly. Oh, for sure. And, and that's exactly why this podcast exists because uh, I live here in Montana and Matt lives in Oklahoma. Right on. And, I was, gonna, I was yeah. just about to play, like, uh, they just canceled it today. I was going to be playing a festival out in Oklahoma in uh, May. This you, you've, got, you've got bearded yeah. theologians everywhere. I know, <laughs> everywhere you're going. Um, <laughs> But that, but that's why this exists is because we've never lived in the same place. We've never sure. lived closer than like nine hours to each other. And now we're like 24, but uh, we, we formed this relationship via social media and said, no, 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 we can do this and sure. form meaningful relationships, but there's gotta be an intentionality behind it. Right. Mm -hmm. um, it, it, this, we can use social media in a way that is productive and life-giving and we just have to change the narrative. There's hope to begin to change the narrative and do that. And now Absolutely. four years later, we're having to do it. <laughs> yeah. One way or another. Which exactly. I find it funny is like people, I'm getting all these questions about how to use Zoom because Zach and I've been using Zoom now for over four years. And it's like, sure. this is actually easier than you're making right. it out to be. Um, yeah. And uh, you know. Um, people are age are technologically disinclined sometimes. Yeah, right, yeah. right. Um, well, get, getting back to, to, to music and what you do and sure, permission yeah. giving and all of this, right? Um, something that I find absolutely fascinating is just watching, watching people watch you in mm. one, two, maybe three songs in, they're up line dancing, man. They're, uh, yeah. they're, they're otherwise wouldn't get up and move. Yeah. Uh, White it's people not just are notoriously about we have no rhythm. We we don't sure. give our permission ourselves permission to get up and dance because what if we what if we look silly? Sure. But there's something about what you're doing that melts all of that away. Mm. People just lose themselves in it, and there's something beautiful about that. Thank you. You know, it's not unintentional. Uh, you might sure. not have been there, but I actually I give people permission. I state mm -hmm. explicitly at the beginning of my show. I, I say sing if you know a song mm -hmm. if you don't and you want to sing like everybody be cool like <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna allow that to happen mm -hmm. um that if you want to dance dance and yeah. that you know my job when i come i i state this explicitly as well my job is just to make people feel a little bit better than when they came that's the only task that i give myself and that the only thing that they should maybe expect from me because honestly, you know, you, you're coming into a brewery in the afternoon, evening, happy hour time. Like mm -hmm. the only thing on your brain is decompressing. The only mm -hmm. thing, the only expectation that you have is like, again, trying to make it just a little bit better. And you know what? That beer is going to taste good. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And hopefully the music won't turn you off. And so 
um, when when you give people permission, when you state it, uh, they feel comfortable. But not only that, I think with me, I I have a I have a lot of um, confidence and charisma on stage in the sense that like it never once feels like I have no idea what I'm doing. No, number two, I think that when you ask people to participate, when you ask people to contribute, you need to be ready in every moment to be present. You can't have the kind of situation where you're too much in your head. And you also can't have the kind of situation where you can't be ready for someone's energy that maybe you, if you had a choice, wouldn't have chosen that energy to be there in the moment. Like having the ability to take their energy and wrap it into what you're doing on stage. And so I'm unafraid, honestly, excuse me, I'm unafraid of people coming with bad attitudes. I'm, I'm unafraid of when I'm telling a story of someone disagreeing with my story. Not that you could really disagree with like <laughs> someone telling you about something that they've been through. Um, but I, I'm prepared in every moment. There, I mean, there have been times where people have asked me earnest questions. I was playing, I had just played, rather I was, so the synagogue shooting uh, a year and a half ago had just happened. I went out and played a show just outside of Pittsburgh. And these students, man, they were wrecked. They were just like, I, I could tell that they had just showed up in a fugue state. They weren't even really sure why they were there. And they, there weren't many of them. There was maybe like 10. And they, their school had played a lot of, paid a lot of money to get me out there. And um, I stopped in the middle of my show and just sat at the edge of the stage and was like, how are you guys doing? <laughs> like, and they were just like, man, we just, we don't know how to tell the people in this community that like we care and they matter to us. That was the only thing that these kids wanted to express was just like, it didn't happen to us, but it happened to us. And, and that was their message. And so we just kind of talked about that for a while in the middle of my show, because I was like, no, it's, I honestly, I don't need to play. I mean, I can play, but I mean, it seems like you guys want to talk. And so we had a little discussion about how they had been feeling and what things that they could do as a school to be able to stand in solidarity at, you know, with the, the Jewish community there in Pittsburgh, which mm -hmm. hardly think of Pittsburgh as like this Mecca for, you know, Jewish people, but there were enough there that someone decided to exact an act of violence against them. And the la the first thing that these students could think of was like, how can we support the families, the victims? Like, this is not okay. This is not, is this what we're doing? Yeah. How can we, is there a box I check somewhere to, to be like, can we not do that? Did I miss that box? And that was their feeling. So we sat down and we talked about it and, you know, and then, then we sang songs. We sang Lean On Me by uh, Bill Withers. We sang, you know, a song I have better together that's going to be coming out this weekend. Um, that's all about literally this concept of, of leaning on each other. I know that that's like not COVID-19 appropriate, but it, at the same time, actually, I think that it's never been more appropriate in the sense that even though we have to keep our distance, even that is an act of standing with each other, of recognizing the fact that like, Someone we may not know may have an immunocompromised situation. Someone that you may not know may have an elderly relative um, 
that you know already has a pre-existing condition in a really weird way this thing where we're feeling even more distance from each other is hopefully bringing us closer together so yeah well and i love that beauty of being in that moment being present right mm. and going oh this is what we need to do right now yeah. Um, there, there are times both Matt and I are pastors and there are times mm -hmm. that I know in the pulpit and the work that we do, we have an intention going into it and it's like, no, 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 this is what we need to do mm -hmm. now. Uh, sometimes you got to set this aside, this sermon, this, this Bible study, this, whatever, and just have this conversation. Right. Um, and we can't do that if we're not present with one another. Uh, yeah. and so for you to be able to do that, you, you know, going into this space is going to be tough anyways, mm -hmm. but not just to power through, but to go, Oh, here's who I need to be. Here's where I need to be right now. And here's the space I need to create. Let's have this conversation. Um, music can wait tough. for a minute. Yeah. Um, honestly, I think it's, that's like the one thing that you really can't teach. Um, right. I mean, you can teach stage presence, you can teach guitar, you can teach vocals, you can teach, you can learn songs. But honestly, the thing that I do that I, I find taxes me the most and is something that I'm good at that I, that I think a lot, a lot of other people are able to naturally bring is that idea of being present is that yeah. idea of being in the moment and responding when people give you energy or feedback, you know, and, and interpreting that in a way where you're saying, what do you need from me right now? And it's very much like a, a, a servant attitude that I take um, with, with performing and playing music because I mean, there are people where I play and like a show, like I played a birthday party before I left town and, and they were like, um, sorry, there aren't many people here. And I was just like, are you, this is your birthday party. Like, I feel bad for, like, I came here to entertain you guys. <laughs> like, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. like, and they were like, you probably just feel like you, uh, you know, you're better than this. And I was like, no, I don't. <laughs> Absolutely <laughs> not. Uh -huh. Like, Dude, it's such an awesome thing to be a part of your birthday. You invited me a stranger to your birthday party. Like, this is great. I thank you for having me. You know, that idea of, um, like, again, I'm there to help people feel better. Like, it's not, honestly, if it were about me, I would go about this music thing completely differently. Mm -hmm. Like, Reverend Doctor does not serve Keith Rollins. Like Reverend Doctor is something that I built deliberately for other people. Like if, if, if this were about me, like I would not write songs like I'm writing. I would not present myself the way that I present myself. I would not, there's so like, it's it, like, I would trace this all the way back to the beginning of my idea and be like, help burn it down. <laughs> this is now the Keith Rollins show. And um, I want to be about something and I want people to know that. Like, no, that's not what this is. That's not my, my motivation. And I, I, it's probably clear, you know, like I, it's, it, for me, honestly, if people don't remember my name, but they go, if they leave and they're like, ah, I feel great. I'm going to like <laughs> just be in a good mood the, the week, day, you know, hour, whatever, like that's mm -hmm. mission accomplished. Yeah. I, I have the same experience with preaching. Uh, mm. God, it's not about, you know, it's easy to get in your head and be like, all right, I get to, I have to get up. I get to get up and stand in yes. front of these people and, and say something, right? It is that something uh, serving me? Is that something serving God? Is that something mm. completely relevant or irrelevant? 
And, and it's, it's, it's those days that, that you can get up there and simply be present with folks and get them to yes. think, get them uh, to feel better in times like this when it's so uncertain, right? Um, you, you know, gosh, over the last two years, how many um, tragedies, shootings, um, gosh, just, just tragedies. Yeah. Uh, and you have to get up there each week and go, it happened again you know, and what do we do? Uh, yeah, we're here in Montana. We're a little, um, you know, isolated from it, but how do we help? How do we bring hope to our community, the communities that our, our family and friends live in from off? How do we do this? Mm -hmm. And it, it said those Sundays, you know, the receiving line coming through, I don't, I don't need you to tell me I did a good job. That's, I don't, that's not what feeds me. Um, people coming through and going, oh, that made me think. Mm. Oh, that made me hopeful. Oh, that mm. really pissed me off. You know, those are the things good you heard, yeah. you know, that that stuff pisses me off too. Right. right. You know, <laughs> I find hope in this too. Um, it's in those moments when people are present with you uh, mm. through whatever you're creating is, is so it, for me, that brings, brings a whole lot of hope to this world. Uh, Cause there's a lot of things I could get up in a pulpit and say and tell people that won't matter. Uh, or won't change the way that they see this world or themselves or uh, right. find hope in something small, right? Um, and, and those are the things that matter and people just going, oh, I feel better. Uh, yeah. Or I find hope in this really dark time. Absolutely. I think, you know, being able to uh, give people, and the thing is that it can't be a cheap hope. You know, I think that's another thing that, um, another component to what I do that people connect with. Um, I have a song called dance warrior and it's all about, it's kind of based on Maya Angelou's. I know why the cage bird sings. It's, it's not an, it's not a cheap idea of joy or happiness. It's in fact saying that like there's a component of suffering to, uh, to learning your song. And when you are able to recognize that like <laughs> this isn't like positivity for the sake of positivity that ignores difficult struggles like this is something that in fact could be the most real thing that we endure this idea of, of dancing with tears in our eyes um that you know because you're broken you you can sing and and celebrate and that makes the joy that much more meaningful, not in the sense that like, you don't know joy till you've suffered, but like in the sense that um, you, you've, there's something that you've earned through that. And it's almost like a, a scar or a badge. It, it's, it's an indicator, something that you, you've earned that allows you to be able to recognize like my joy is something that I do in spite of my circumstances rather than because of, you know, that's a, that's a really, yeah, I say that on stage and I'm a pop artist, you know, <laughs> like, <laughs> let alone from the pulpit, you know, right. talk about like uplifting your congregations or like, Oh, pastor, I just wish you say something positive. Like I ain't, hang, right. hang, stay with me for <laughs> stay a with me. <laughs> I'm going to get there guys. <laughs> Woo, yeah. Just hold on church. You know, yeah. You yeah. Gotta, 
get through it for a moment. And, well, you do, and you, you got to wade through all the things that make you human, right? right. Uh, and to get through the things that we can find that joy and hope with, because uh, it's what makes us human that gets us there, um, I think. 100% so, agree. Go ahead, Matt. Oh, no, that's fine. Um, so, like, where's a great place to find your music? Um, so that way we can direct our listeners and, and like, sure. Like, I know, like, sometimes for artists, there's a optimum way and like there's other ways but like what's the best way they can find your music you know the the best way to find my music online i'm, I'm on all the streaming platforms one of the things that i try to do my website it's it's like an old person thing to have a really robust uh useful website but my rep website i do things like blog on it i, I have a whole bunch of high-res photos videos and things like that on it i think it's the best way to enjoy my music and that's mostly because like you can get a sense of what reverend doctor is about the aesthetic you know the the bold color palette the flamboyant clothing but not only that but i, I talk a lot about things that connect to reverend doctor's message um i actually I had forgotten some of the topics that I had written about, like um, male privilege in the, you know, hashtag Me Too movement, um, like uh, some shootings that happened in Minneapolis, and I wrote posts about that. And I, I try to keep the, the blog relatively up to date, but even more so, honestly, like go to my website and request for me to come to your town because I know that the best way to, like, enjoy my music is live because it's very much like almost performance art. There's storytelling, there's performance. And then there's also be like I said, being present. You're in a space with people that are listening, that are paying attention, that are engaged. And that like, I, I don't know how, how you talked about it, Zach, like people drop their guard, something strange happens and everyone is there. And there's not any way that I have found yet to be able to recreate that. I'm trying to like, work on better videos on better music but there's really nothing that recreates the sense of being in a space with people and i know again we're in this like social distancing thing but we won't always be uh right. like requesting me to come to your town is absolutely the best way because I, I dude i put my stuff in a car my little rav4 hybrid <laughs> and i hop on the road and i literally like i led this last year i went as far north as edmonton canada you know i was in texas this last year, I went as far east as uh, Boston. And, you know, I live in Southern California and I grew up in the Midwest. So there's literally not a part of the country that I'm afraid to like hop in my car and drive to. So that's- Well, I just saw that, like I'm looking at your website right now. Sure. And I just saw that you had a show or, I mean, you're scheduled to have a show here. I'm in Tahlequah <laughs> yeah. on April the 10th. I haven't canceled it yet. They haven't told me it's canceled. I'm hoping that some kind of miracle happens. Like I am too now. Um, and I will definitely, uh, I will That's definitely awesome. make sure. Um, yeah. Like I said, I go all over and there's yeah, no place like, too small. That's really big, cool. You know, because here's the thing about my message and I've never had anyone get angry about my message um, because it's, it's my message. Again, I talk about race, gender, mental health and things like that on stage, but I would say that people respond more positively in red states than in blue states, you know, because they, I'm giving you a context to like start thinking about these things. And the context mm -hmm. is that there are people on the other side of it, you know, and, and not only that, but there's some people in your community that are on the other side of it, people that I know that you love. And so I, I'm, this is going to be my first time playing Oklahoma. I'm super excited. 
uh, hopefully it happens. Like I said, I was going to do a festival there that just got canceled. Um, but I mean, I love, I love traveling. I love going into unexpected places and I do it boldly and loudly and probably shouldn't, but I do. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, I'll speak for Matt on this one. We love you and well, you just <laughs> want to do everything we can to help get, get your message, get your music out there. Uh, you're truly, I've seen a lot of bands, a lot of people do a lot of things in bars and coffee shops and all over, uh, and you're doing something different. Uh, Thanks, man. Yeah. Gotta do it different. We, yeah, you we, do. I mean, and I, not I more of the same. We can't be doing that. That's getting that's us right. where we're at. That's right. And, and I truly believe we need more hope and love and joy in this mm -hmm. world. And, and the, the people who are, who are doing that, like you, uh, I, I want to use whatever I can to get you out there and, and get people in front of you because my gosh, we need it. I'm humbled. I truly am. Um, when you reached out, I was like, dope. Number one, got a beard. Super, super excited about that, like I said. Um, but also, um, I, when you said that the things that you say to me now in the email, I was like, man, that's, that's literally all I can ask is that people connect with that. And every time someone does, it, I, like, I'm filled with nothing but gratitude because honestly, selfishly, I would probably still be playing music anyway, but it makes it that much more justifiable when, like, there's something real happening. Yeah. Um, I may not be able to put a name to it or put a finger on it, but um, you picked it up and that is like literally mission accomplished. Like I said earlier, like if one yeah. person picks it up, I did yeah. what I did came to do. So absolutely. absolutely. Thank you, man. I appreciate you guys. Oh, you're, you're doing it well and don't, don't Thank let a uh, quarantine <laughs> affect it. Any. So, so many shows canceled. So many. I know. So oh, many. many. Um, and so you can, we can find you at the uh, reverenddoctormusic.com. Yeah, uh, Reverend We'll share that um, in this post, and you know, encourage him to check him out. And if um, hopefully, eventually, there'll be times when uh, he'll actually be able to do shows again because he'll be yeah. able to allow. Um, if he's in your area, um, like like I said, when I saw April tenth, I'm like, oh my gosh, who do I have to like make sure that this actually happens? <laughs> uh -huh. <laughs> Real quick, pronounce the name of your town again for me. Tahlequah. Tahlequah. Okay, great. Because I, I went up to um, uh, Ponderay is how it's pronounced, but it don't look like Ponderay. <laughs> Tahlequah. Gotcha. Yes. And so I didn't say it. All, all I said was I was on stage. I was literally on stage in the middle of my show and I was like, pronounce the name of your town for me. <laughs> well, I, I will I warn like, you. I, yeah, I will warn you that in towns in Oklahoma, it can even be spelled like you think it is, and it's not even close. Uh, oh man! Oh boy! Okay. So, Good so, to know. And most people, Point most people taken. oblige uh, in you at least attempting. Um, okay. So my hometown. I'm originally from uh, Miami, and it's spelled Miami. You know, like you know, you see Miami, Florida, but we call it Miami. So yeah. Listen, I grew up right next to Nevada. Um, and it spelled Nevada. So yeah. I understand small Midwestern towns. That's just like, <laughs> they just do that. And they're like, yeah. they, they think you're weird when you come in and you say a dip and they're like, where are you from? That's right. like, and that's America, why they do it. I'm from here. <laughs> that's why they do it. They're like, we'll know you're from off. Well, no. <laughs> oh, we're going to pronounce it different. So you look crazy. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Oh, so thank you for your time. Encourage you to, thank you for having like me. Some, We'll have uh, his stuff up on uh, our website and you can connect in with that. Um, catch a show if he's close to your area. Even if you have to drop a couple hours, it's definitely worth it. 
Um, I haven't seen a show, but Zach, the way that Zach uh, raves about it, I know it's a solid show. And so, like, that gets me excited that you're going to be in my town. Like, I'm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, Let's, yeah. dude, we we just got to keep everybody away from each other so that we can right. all get better and, like, just yes. for a couple weeks more. Absolutely. <laughs> yes. Yeah, exactly. So, awesome. Um, thank you for your time. And so, for the Bearded Theologians, I'm Matt Franks. I'm Zach Bechtold. Thanks for checking us out. Thank you for listening to the Bearded Theologians podcast. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and share on all social media outlets. You can check out old episodes and more information at beardedtheologians.com. Thanks for checking us out.